Welcome to American Steel. Listeners, I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, we got a special episode today. We have with us today, besides, uh, as always, Clayton Harris is with us. But we have uh, Chandler Anderson, who is a nurse practitioner here in Murray County, Tennessee. And we're going to talk today just about health care, uh, specifically maybe get into a little uh, discussion about cancer and cancer recovery and all the things that go along with cancer, diagnosis, the emotions, the mental health, and, of course, the physical health of a patient that's diagnosed with cancer. So, Chandler, uh, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. Thank you all for having me on. Clayton mentioned uh, uh, coming on the show, and I said, sure, I'd be glad to. Anytime we can talk about health care and try to get more knowledge out there for folks, I'm, I'm all about doing it. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are and, and, and how you practice medicine now. Man, I always tell people I applied at Hardee's and I applied at the nursing home and the nursing home called me back. That's how I started in uh, health care. I started as a tech and then went to nursing school, graduated from right out here at Columbia State with my associate, started working at Murray in the ER, um, got my bachelor's and then my master's and became MP, went back to Murray, and uh, Clayton Harris, of all people, convinced me to open a clinic. And uh, it, it, 13 years later, we're still here. So I tried to think of a name. I thought, what's a catchy name? I need a catchy name. And I thought, man, I, I told Clayton one day, I just want to give people the right care. And he said, well, there's a name, right care. And so that, that's been our name. So makes it easy now i'm assuming you've taken clayton to dinner since then oh yeah, yeah. Say thank oh you. yeah absolutely clayton and i and coach dickinson had the journey of a lifetime to the national championship a couple of years ago yeah. uh, indianapolis indianapolis in january very, in january very, very cold it was cold uh, the hotel we stayed at was hot though about two in the morning we had a unique experience that uh, i'm still going to counseling for so. yeah. at ihop yeah <laughs> absolutely no in the hallway oh, oh yeah that, that, that was <laughs> Chandler, you mentioned uh, Columbia State. Right. Uh, you know, I, we partner with Columbia State. Columbia State does an amazing job. Tell me a little bit about your experience there at nursing school and try to and actually kind of give Columbia State a little bit of a pitch that uh, it's a great nursing school. I'm going to tell you, Columbia State is the standard bearer for nursing around here. Um, and it, ha- it has been for a long time. It's had its peaks and valleys, but it's back on top. Um, Dr. Jabron Natty is one of my dearest friends. His mother, Deanna Natty, was the director of the program, Dr. Deanna Natty. Um, and I applied at 17 because I graduated high school at 17. And she sat me down and said, are you sure you want to be a nurse? And I said, well, I work as a tech. I've been doing it since I was 15, 14, 15. And uh, I said, I don't really know anything else to do. And she said, we'll let you in, but you're going to have to take all your prerequisites along with it. And I said, okay. I had no idea what I was getting into. So I took anatomy and physiology along with nursing one, along with psych. And, I mean, it was an adventure. But I graduated at 19 from Columbia State. Uh, I was well prepared to hit the workforce our clinicals that's where you learn nursing you know you can sit in the classroom and get the theory and all but you learn nursing at the bedside with people like judy smith and tony meredith and gail larkin sandra Purley. those people were my instructors and they were no nonsense they they didn't your feelings really didn't matter it mattered whether you could take care of that patient or not and then i actually later on returned to columbia state amy barnhill and myself both returned um, and were instructors out there so uh, kind of wanted to give back. Columbia State's an, an impeccable nursing program, and I would encourage anybody that wants to become an RN to go out there. They have a great program, and those 
students end up taking care of you here and you know you want hometown people taking care of you you want people who know you and know what your struggles are and we start talking about you know access to health care you want people to say well i know this doctor takes this insurance or you know you're driving this far to your pharmacy there's one right around the corner that just opened up i mean you want people from your hometown taking care of you yeah and it's nice to know that you have a a quality nursing school right in your backyard here you know because most of those students are going to graduate and stay with within the community and stay local you know i wanted to do this podcast on health care cancer because um, most recently my wife was diagnosed with cancer and we uh, just finished up uh, her first part of her treatment which so far doesn't include any kind of chemo or radiation and so I was talking to Clayton I said Clayton you know I've learned I've gone through this twice already my my first wife passed away from cancer uh, and then my sister had breast cancer then now my wife is diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and I just thought let's we should do a podcast and get some information out there and and thank you for being here again uh, Chandler because your expertise will come help a lot of people that listen as I understand it this podcast is starting to gain some momentum so um, hopefully it'll help people out there and certainly um, I this is a different experience for me with my wife having gone through this cancer that she's going through right now but um, she was diagnosed with lung cancer she just had surgery a week ago they removed part of her lung. Uh, they think that they removed all the cancer. All indications seem positive at this point, but she still has to go to pathology. Talk to me a little bit about just uh, what people should expect and, and some of the things that you see. Well, I always tell people abnormal things are abnormal. You know, um, somebody that's been coughing for two years, that's not normal. You know, you have a, a mold that suddenly is multiple colors and it's strangely shaped. That's not normal. Uh, you start having bloody stools. Again, not normal. And one thing we're really bad about in healthcare is preventative care. Um, it Every year we try to, in the summer, to get people in to get their well physicals because they're not going to get the flu from other people. COVID, you know, we were in the midst of the COVID pandemic, but, you know, in the summer we thought it was going to die down a little bit. But summer seems a little safer to do your well physicals. But people don't – you can't get people in to do them. Um, And – you know, people, it, it's hard to get that mindset for both patients and providers that, hey, we need a visit not to talk about your diabetes, not to talk about the things we treat every month or every three months, but just to look at your overall health. We need to do a skin assessment and see if you have any irregular moles. You know, um, I, I guess you call it fortunate, but my ex-wife's one of those uh, palin people that if you have a bump on your body, she's swooping in like a war eagle trying to pop it, you know, so thank Thankfully, she's looking at my skin to try to pop stuff, but most people don't look at their back. And you may have a melanoma sitting on your back that your doctor or NP could find if they did a physical and you didn't do the chronic illness uh, visit. You have to do your yearly physical to pick up on this stuff. And pay attention to your body. We're all busy. I don't know what time you all get up in the morning, but I'm up at 530 almost every morning till about 1130 at night um, because of the businesses and being on call at the hospital and, you know, kids that play sports. Goodness, I had Cole at the middle school and Jack at Mount Pleasant High School. And so we were at both played basketball at the same time. So one would have a game in Collinwood and one would have a game, you know, on the other side of Fedville. But, um, 
we're all busy, but take time to get that preventative care to identify that stuff because it's much easier to treat a melanoma early on and a lung cancer early on or colon cancer early on than it is to resect your bowel or have to take part of your lung out or cut a big gash out of your arm because those those treatments for like melanoma you end up with a big gash sometimes uh basal cell carcinoma on the nose you get from a lot of sun exposure they shave with the mose procedure they just start shaving until they don't get cancer anymore so your nose starts getting whittled down i mean it's but these things are preventable and we can identify them we just have to start being proactive instead of reactive but as a society i think we kind of are pro or reactive instead of proactive too yeah absolutely and my wife has already experienced the most surgery on the on the nose yeah. that was a process they go in they shave a little off and they take it right to the microscope then and then if they don't feel like they they keep shaving until That's they right. feel like they've gotten it all and then the reconstruction hopefully it can be reconstructed to a point where it, it still looks uh looks nice uh and something that you'd be satisfied with um did how, they think think there was a link i mean without i mean if you don't oh. feel comfortable asking but no no do you, you think there was a link like maybe that was the primary and the lung was secondary or? i i we haven't talked about that no. the doctors have uh, inquired I mean, it wouldn't be common but yeah uh i think that they've they've made a link they think they've made a link or at least suggested a link from her growing up in uh, a household where the parents smoked mm-hmm. and the secondhand smoke you know right. so if, if you're out there and your parents and you're smoking around your children or grandchildren stop, stop uh, it. it's not fun <laughs> it's not healthy but but, you know, it makes a good point because I remember the same thing. And uh, I grew up and you woke up into a, a, a fog. Your parents mm-hmm. smoked so much. Uh, and so they they think that that may have, uh, you know, been sitting there for a long, long time, just her exposure to secondhand gotcha. smoke. Well, and cancer, basically, guys, to break it down easy, anytime you're having to make new cells rapidly, there, the G1 phase is where things go crazy, the G1 cell replication phase. So anytime you're destroying tissue and you're having to replace it rapidly, you're at risk for cancer. So think about it. Smoking destroys tissue and you're having to lay down new cells. Uh, drinking destroys, if you drink a lot of alcohol, it destroys that gastric lining, so you have to make new cells. Uh, if you're out in the sun and you're getting sunburnt, well... You're making new cells. So that's how you end up with these cancers is your body has to make a lot of new cells. Now, there's some exceptions like leukemia and, you know, lymphoma and things like that. Sometimes that's from exposure, but sometimes it just happens and there's not a clear link to how you got it. But smoking's just kind of bad all the way around. I don't know anything else to say about it. And, you know, drinking too much is bad all the way around. I mean, anything in excess is bad all the way around, but smoking specifically specifically it's just terrible for you it's not good yeah when you're in nursing school and all the because you you did more than nursing school you had to go get your nurse practitioner license well how much time do they spend training y'all on uh besides just the general knowledge of being able to speak to a patient about cancer how much time do they spend training y'all on prevention and then mental health and, and emotional recovery not just for the patient but maybe even for family members that is a huge part of the problem so you get education about prevention and you get education about uh, mental health and then when you get a job that doesn't generate a lot of revenue so they want you to see as many people as you can and move as many people through as you can i always call it catamill them through and 
that's one reason I opened up Right Care too, is I wanted to be able to sit down and talk to my patient. I didn't want to be looking at a computer. We don't have EMR there. We were on paper. We're 13 years and still on paper. Clayton can tell you when we first opened, they, they asked about EMR. I said, nope, we're staying on paper. I want to look at my patient while I'm talking to them. Um, we get that training, but then when you get out in public or get out into the uh, workforce, that kind of goes by the wayside because they want to generate that dollar. And if you spend an hour on prevention, um, you could prevent decades of problems later. Uh, there's what's that old saying? An ounce of prevention is something, something there's an old saying about prevention. Um, we could prevent a lot of stuff, man. If we just sat down, listen to the patients, number one, because the patient will tell you what's wrong with them nine times out of 10, just by giving you the history. Um, but we get that training, but we're a country that doesn't value mental health. People make fun of people, mental health. You know, I, 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 I during the last election cycle, there was one candidate that made a video of, of, of somebody that was clearly in crisis and they were homeless and, they were like, these homeless people are taking over our city. No, no. That man is having a mental health crisis. He was spinning. And people in crisis, they do that. That's a sign that they're having a mental health crisis. So spin. And uh, most, a lot of homeless people have mental health issues. A lot of incarcerated people have mental health issues. And shout out to Bucky Rowland and uh, Michael Fulbright. We have the best jail uh, as far as addressing mental health issues than in the entire state and i'll tell you why they have started making sure that people get their medicines when they leave for mental health illness for mental illness because think about it let's say you're bipolar and you're off your meds you might do something a little crazy you know you might, chances are yes yeah you might do something that lands you in jail right well if we send you home and you don't have your medicine you might be back next week on mobile patrol yeah. you know and so Thankfully, we're starting to see, um, in, at least in the judicial system, uh, that hey, let's let's get these people's medicine and let's let's get them let's get their mental health addressed. Well, I mean, at least fifty-one percent of the country has endorsed a mental, mentally ill president. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got mental health issues. I'm not sure the last one was either. I, you can ask Clayton. I'm a libertarian. I I wish we had elected Ron Paul. I mean, I think Ron Paul would have been a great president. <laughs> But nobody wants that. But, you know, I think everybody, part of the problem is in our country is everybody has to be right. Like, at some point, it's okay to be wrong, you know, and everything's not the end of the world. Like, that's like that's exhausting. Like, I don't watch the news. Like, I can't remember. I think the last time we watched the news was uh, January 6th that day because somebody texted me and said, put the TV on CNN or whatever it was. And we put it on. I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? And so I don't watch the news. My daughter was here with her husband. uh, They're stationed in in Vegas, and they were here to see mom and whatnot. And they've got me. They got me interested now in this uh, criminal trial in South Carolina, the the Murdoch. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen that Netflix show about it? Yeah. Well, they've got me watching it and being curious. Now he's they're doing closing arguments live today. And uh yeah, you talk about mental health issues and those kind of things. It's, that thing's loaded. That thing's loaded. Dude, I, I work with uh, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners, and I sent I sent them that, and I said, "Y'all got to watch this." And one of them did and said, "Oh my, that's a whole yeah. clinic. That's a whole new. Uh, yes. That's a whole new show that I'm, I'm sure will turn into a movie." Do you? 
stay up. Obviously, you stay up on the clinical research for cancer and cancer prevention. And in your role, you're doing like you're doing whole general general medicine for your patients. So sometimes they'll ask you to look at something on their skin or they'll tell you about a cough they're having and those kind of things. So how does that progress for you? Yeah. So for me, I'm I'm at the psych hospital as a hospitalist most every day but terry locker is our primary care doc and then we have a great group with the urgent care clinic what kind of how that progresses is let's say i go in and see terry and i say man something's not right i got got this lump here in my neck something's not you know right about it it doesn't hurt and that's one red flag is you got a lump that doesn't hurt you know um you know she's gonna what we try to do is order the things that we know the oncologist or the ENT is going to need to make a decision. Because one thing that's really, really common is people biopsy your wallet. So you got a lump in your neck, so they're going to see you. <laughs> and then they're going to they're going to send you to ENT, who's going to say, well, let, let me order this and this and this and this and this. And then they're going to send you to oncology, who's going to order those same tests. And so you, the patient's sitting there like, hey, man, I've got a high-deductible plan. And what happens is people quit going. And we see that a lot, is people will quit going to the doctor. If you think about it. People, Some people are struggling right now. A lot of people are struggling. The economy's not the best. Um, if, if, you're, if you're getting behind on your house payment because you've got medical bills, most people stop going to the doctor. And they think, look, well, let me catch up on my house payment, and then I'll go three months. Well, in three months, something else has happened. And before you know it, they're going because they're having trouble swallowing because this thing has gotten so big. Um, so what we try to do is figure out what tests are they going to order. And sometimes Terry will call, hey, what are y'all going to need? So we can go and get this going. So this isn't a multiple visit thing, you know, before they get to their, what we call their destination provider. Um, so we try to, as a primary care office, work that up and then kind of hand a nice package patient over to the specialist so that they're not they can give that patient an answer because every day you sit and worry is a day you've lost enjoyment i mean think about it every day your wife has to sit and worry on this pathology that's a day she's not enjoying and life is short well we sat down with the uh, benefits lady at the hospital when we were registering her for her surgery I don't know if she was supposed to tell us this or not, but she told us that everything included would be $120,000, you know, and then, of course, insurance kicks right. in and it ends up being a couple thousand maybe. But uh, I'm wondering how in the world does this all this equal $120,000? It kind of biopsies your wallet. I like that. Your wallet. Yep. And the thing is, yes, there are costs at hospitals. You know, nuclear medicine stuff's expensive. Surgery suites are expensive. But there are a lot of things that um, – Hospitals are notoriously top-heavy. You don't need 20 executive staff to run a hospital. You you don't. I mean, our own Martin Cheney has shown that, right? Martin Cheney was the chief medical officer and the CEO and did impeccable jobs at both. Like, hospitals are notoriously top-heavy, and so we could reduce the cost of health care. Because you know what happens to somebody who doesn't have a $2,000 deductible, and maybe it's 10 They don't have that surgery. Right. They say I can't afford it. They forego it. Yeah. And they risk their lives to do that. We'll be right back. We're going to take a break. Thank you for listening to American Steel on WKOM 101.7 FM.
For 60 years, people have shopped Parks Motor Sales to get the best vehicles and the best service. ParksMotorSales.com has details on new Buicks, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs, financing, certified technicians, parts, tires, and much more. Stop by 919 Nashville Highway, take a Buick for a test drive, and learn why the Buick Encore and Buick Enclave are among America's most reliable vehicles. Experience the new Buick at Parks Motor Sales. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. By now, you all know about Don, our service truck guy. Well, let me tell you about another member of our service team, and that's Mike Ashley. He's the guy you'll talk to when you call the office. Just call and talk to Mike one time at 931-540-0919, and you'll see why we're lucky to have him here at the Garbage Man. Thanks, Mike, for all you do to keep the Garbage Man first in service. That's 931-540-0919. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. People often ask about the initials after mine and Monty's names. Those initials are CFP, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP, we will do our best to help you in the attainment of your financial goals while protecting those assets with proper insurance coverage. We encourage the team approach of holistic financial planning by working alongside your CPA and attorney. This is Gay Pike with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Let's make a plan. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated. Member FINRA and SIPC. Come to the 2023 Mule Day Auctioneer Championship, hosted by the Columbia Breakfast Rotary Club, benefiting their college scholarship fund. Outstanding auctioneers from across the country will be competing to be named the 2023 Mule Day Auctioneer Champion. The event will be held at the Tennessee Livestock Sale Barn at 1231 Industrial Park Road, Columbia, Tennessee, starting at 11 a.m. Hope to see you there. 31. This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Front Porch Radio in Columbia, Tennessee, 101.7 WKOM. Welcome back to American Steel. We have still with us Chandler Anderson, who is a nurse practitioner uh, here in Murray County and got his education here in this area. Went to high school in Marshall County, got his education here, at least his RN here. Where'd you, where'd you go for a nurse practitioner school? So um, I did the Tennessee Board of Regents realized that, um, as I said earlier, you learn most of your nursing during clinical. So they came up uh, with an online program where you would get your lecture online and then you would do your clinicals, you know, locally or with a preceptor. So I did my bachelor's with MTSU, 
Go Blue Raiders. Uh, apologize for what Alabama's going to do to you next season. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Berry. Um, Correct. Uh, Jonathan Berry's going with me. He'll be a very sad man on the way home. Yes, he will. <laughs> and then I got my master's at TSU. Go Big Blue. Uh, we'll leave there. But um, TSU was a good school. I got a good education from there. But I'll tell you, I, got in, I only had to go to campus once. And I got in the elevator, and there was an electrical cord swinging. And I thought, you know, this is why I'm remote. This is why I'm a remote student. <laughs> but um, got a good education. I had the, the good fortune of training with – one of the greatest doctors to ever practice, Dr. Mike Richardson. Uh, he's not here anymore, but I had the f- good fortune of training with Mikey, and he, I don't know if you remember the show House MD, but he was House. I mean, he, I don't think he ever saw a patient he didn't diagnose correctly and didn't know what was wrong with him. I mean, we, we had uh, Principal Steele, I don't know. Uh, how long you been in this area but we had a guy at the movie theater that was working i think the trash compactor or something and his arm got stuck in the trash compactor like it closed on him well they called ems and this poor guy is standing there with like with his arm crushed and they called the specialist and the specialist like well, i mean i can't I, they couldn't get him to the hospital because his arm's trapped. So they called Richardson. If you remember, he got up out of bed, went out there, amputated the like intubated the guy, I think, put him to sleep, a- amputated his arm, and flew with him to Vanderbilt. I mean, he was an amazing doctor. Never, never, heard, never heard that story. That's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty, quite amazing. And, you know, and then so I, the other side of it was I had Dr. Chun. And so Chun, <laughs> Kevin Chun is not house, um, but he is he is almost like that good old country doctor where he's like, hey, man, I'm Dr. Chun. What can I do for you today? Or, hey, Mr. Anderson will be in seen a little bit. You know, so I was fortunate to get the brainiac, and then I was fortunate to get the bedside manner guy, too. So that... I, I was going. I was really going to ask you about lucky. I was going to ask you about the, that balance. Like you want the brainiac who knows what he's doing. Our doctor told us he looked us straight in the eye. He's a very humble guy. He looked us straight in the eye and said, "I can do this surgery blindfolded. This is the. This is easy for me. I'm just going to tell you, I'm really, really good at it." And that. I didn't think he was being cocky at all. I, I, that made us both feel really good, and then he just broke, brought it back down to being very, very humble. For you, in your, in your experience, what's the best balance for a doctor or a nurse practitioner for their patients? What, you, what you've got to do is sit down, and I learned this around. If you'll sit down and listen to the patient, let them talk. And there was actually a study done about this. Let the patient talk for like three minutes. Don't interrupt them. Sit down. Don't look at a computer. Look them in the eye. Hey, what's going on today? Hey, my name's Chandler. Shake everybody's hand. Hey, my name's Chandler. What can I do for you? What's going on today? And let the patient talk. Because think about it. They, this is what people don't get. Let's say you are married and you have five kids like Clayton. And so Clayton has to leave home with one of his kids. His wife's at home with the other four kids. She's getting, you know, at that point you're playing zone, not man-to-man. So, you know, he's sitting at a clinic. If it's busy, there's a wait. I always tell people, there's a wait, and I'm sorry, but it's because we're good at what we do. You'd be you'd be in peril if you went to a clinic that had no wait because that means nobody's going there. So then you're waiting in the lobby. Then you're waiting in the room. You know, you're having to tell three people the same thing three times. And then – somebody comes in well that patient's ready to 
just tell you and be done. I'm like, come on now, let's. I got to get back home. So I, what I found was just listening to them, dude. They, they calm right down. They give you the information, and then you're able to ask further questions to kind of explore what's going on. Um, the people that have trouble with patients are the ones that cut them off. Don't ever cut a patient off. They're paying you to listen, and so listen and write down what they're saying that's another reason i like paper patients know we're listening because they see us writing what they're saying um and then be honest with them i can't tell you how many times um i have said i don't know to patients i don't know but this is what we're going to do here's our plan right and patients respect that versus somebody saying oh it's just this and blowing them off and then something terrible happens. So, you know, I don't argue with patients about tests because I promise you, the moment you don't do whatever test it is they're convinced they need, they're going to need that test. So you have to involve the patient because so many times, because people cattle mill people through, you're limited to 10 minutes per patient, you know, by some big corporation, and they just want you to get them in and out. And that's why we have the narcotic problem is the what it is because you're limited it take and i i spoke before uh, scott spicky had us come up and speak before um the legislature the reason we have opiate problem is it takes 30 minutes to argue with somebody and about not giving them a narcotic and it takes five to write it well if you're working for one of these places that wants you to get people through and their main focus is that patient saying you are excellent which is the downfall of medicine like once you start getting ratings telling people no to narcotics starts dropping your rating yeah and so that's why we're in this opiate epidemic is that foolishness but you've got to treat people like they're a person because they are and they're not patient number 23 well some somebody today was told that they have cancer somewhere in the 50 mile radius somebody was informed today that they have a particular type of cancer Uh, obviously that's very scary up front what are some things that families can expect to see so they're not so shocked at the process moving forward for the next six months or maybe even uh, unfortunately until this person loses their life to whatever type of cancer they have what are some things that you just wish you could have time to really counsel people on so first for the providers don't tell people they have cancer over the phone people do that it is amazing to me that people will do that my process and our policy is we call that patient in and sit them down and talk to them and we ask that they bring somebody with them that gives them a hint something's going on but you're not telling them over the phone and then somebody can drive them home because the C word is devastating. And for the loved ones of somebody with cancer, you got to know, man, that that's a punch in the gut. I mean, even and it always one time my dad, my dad had a basal cell cancer on his nose. And I went to the doctor with him and the doctor said, oh, it's just a little cancer. And I thought, man. My a little cancer. My what? wife's pulmonary doctor. I don't know why he did it. He's a super nice guy, super super good guy. But uh, he gave her. He said, "Well, I'll bet you. I'd bet you a hundred dollars. This is not cancer, even though it it lit up in the PET scan." Mm-hmm. 
And I, that kind of, I mean, I was, that felt good to hear it. But then a week, uh, you know, three or four days later, uh, actually I was wrong. It, it's cancer. And, right. and, and here's how we have to go about doing that. I, I sort of, I guess everybody's different, right? Every family's different. That made us feel good for a moment, but then he was wrong. And then right. that, that makes you credibility. It's, it, it rips it away. It takes it away from you. It, it challenges you mentally to then go forward in a trusting manner. Right. And that's where you say, I don't know for sure what this is, but I'm going to get this PET scan, and that's going to help us delineate what this is. Um, and then l- let's say you, you got to look. Every family is different. So let's say that the person with cancer is the breadwinner for the family. And the other the other spouse is a stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mom. Think about the stress that's going to put people under. I am not a – Clayton will tell you, I'm not a narcotics guy. To the point a patient put a gun in my face once at the clinic, like made the news, like one of our, one of our many news clips we've made. What I try to do is give people something for their nerves, too. Because they're not going to sleep. If you think a patient that was told they have cancer is going to sleep for the next month, they're not going to sleep. Give them a little small something, even if it's Vistaril, something that's non-narcotic, to help them sleep. These people are going to start grieving. In our society, cancer is a death sentence. Like, you just assume the worst. That's how our society works. And so the other thing is get them in if they'll do it because mental health has such a stigma and i don't understand why we're that way get them in with a counselor from the start get them somebody to talk to that's not family because think about it let's say and i I just met you today right but let's say your wife's like man i really need to talk to somebody i don't want to bother my husband he's so busy he's the principal and he's got this he's got this and you know people don't want to bother other people even if it's their spouse a lot of times um so they just sit and they bottle that stuff up my wife has said that to me exactly i didn't want to bother you with this coughing i I know it keeps i cough all night and i'm and i'd be like what do you mean go you need to get this right you'd insist on a scan or something like that they didn't even find it until they they found out they didn't even find it until they went to the pulmonary specialist that there was a there, there was a spot and then it turned out to be cancer so yeah i think you're 100 percent right i got a background in mental health counseling and I, it's a long story a different time but yeah there should be no stigma when it comes to that because i'm experiencing as we speak i'm i'm currently experiencing all sorts of emotions and you know i don't really feel that i need to talk to somebody specific because i have a close family and it could just be someone in your family that's that's asking about you i've all my kids have asked well dad how are you doing uh because i we know it's got to be this on you because now you've got to take on this and then how's my wife and then how and then we do the same thing how are you doing and uh and then my 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 folks at the school have been amazing and her co-workers have been fantastic so but there's a lot of people that don't have that kind of support I, i'm sitting there thinking, man you're the luckiest man on earth because i mean most of us don't have that you know i don't have a lot of family here and you know i've got good friends i could call on but man i don't want to bother clayton he's got kids i don't want to bother you know uh, my friend liz she's got work and but you know it it is an adjustment disorder, number one, because now you've got this new diagnosis. It's anxiety, and you know that person's going to get depressed. If you if somebody's diagnosed with cancer and doesn't get depressed, then they are the most upbeat person on earth. Um, so they've got to figure out who their resources are. It sounds like you got great kids that are there helping you out, great coworkers. Um, but 
they got to they've got to know this is a normal part of this and and feel free to talk to somebody you know pick up the phone you are not bothering somebody i've had people ask me about moving here and and working locally in education here and and i'll tell you today was a today was a great day for that for me to solidify that uh, i was so glad that we came to work and potentially live in murray county and that is i've had several parents find out it's no it was we're not very vocal about our private mental uh, medical health but i mean it, it's not a secret either so i didn't mind if anybody or everybody found out i've had so many parents reach out to me that said they found out and they're praying and then they're bringing dinner by and stuff like that that that's why i came here is for that community how how, how do you feel about that i look blake and i Blake and i have a mutual friend that's really sick and the outpouring of support even from people who don't like each other you know day to day for this person is amazing columbia tennessee knocks it out of the park when it comes to helping people when you know when elizabeth thomas went missing man the whole town was trying you know the best to listen in and watch places and try to find her um you know, when people get sick here, nobody fights alone in Columbia. If people know, they will help you all along the way. Lewis County's the same way. Right now, uh, there's pineapples on everybody's profile picture, and I was like, "Wait a minute, I saw a show. What is this?" And then, so I asked my 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 employee that works in Lewis County. I said, "Hey, uh, something going on in Lewis County? Because all of a sudden, everybody's got pineapples on the profile picture. Huh? Some sort of weird stuff happening." And he said, "She said, no, no, no. This guy whose nickname is Pineapple." I said, "Oh, okay. Well, oh. I, was, I was concerned. I was, yeah. yeah, like <laughs> what's happening here? Are you buying tickets for this?" <laughs> but um, yeah, around here in this area, no Brandon, this kid in Lewisburg, he had cancer. My aunt Sandy and her friends like spends numerous hours at Vanderbilt my my cousin Jessica he ended up passing from cancer they opened up a coffee shop in his memory and people could just go and hang out at um, I think it was called Brandon's Barista and I mean nobody if people know nobody fights alone here and even if you don't like that person people rally like right now if somebody like was diagnosed with cancer i'd do anything i could to help them you know i don't have to like you to be a compassionate person you know and i think clayton would agree with that you know if somebody if somebody is sick man we all have been there and it's it's miserable and people people here they they go above and beyond every time i mean for example that one lady had covid and was super sick and people were calling me like hey how can i get tested for the antibodies to see if i can be a plasma donor because that was one of the treatments at the beginning i think it was plasma that we were doing so we just i just said you know what let's just move an employee up to the walk-in and we'll and i talked to a lab they did their antibody test for free and like people were pouring in like they would drive up and we would drive draw their blood and like people were just out of nowhere these people just wanted to help well and i don't want to forget to say this if you're out there listening to this and you just kind of beside yourself and don't know which direction to go uh you can call me uh i'll be glad to give you my experience my my first wife 
got breast cancer. It went into her bones. She chose to have the treatment. My sister got breast cancer at the same time. She chose to have the double mastectomy. Uh, my sister is still alive, and my ex-wife is not uh, alive at this point. So the the difference between my my family's experience with my ex-wife, because my ex-wife and I were very close, and she was very close with my current wife and uh, my kids. So she was family to us. As a matter of fact, she lived in our house for the last six or months or so of her life. See, Molly is not abnormal. It's not abnormal. That's my ex-wife. She's in my house every day, and I'm yeah. at her. You know, I mean. well, that, we, and we could talk about that for another hour about how to take how to navigate that uh but this experience is uh, well it's a lot different and, and uh, i wasn't ready for it certainly wasn't ready for it and had had kind of navigated now but i'm i'm 100 percent available to talk to anybody out there and i don't care if it's a if it's a friend of a friend that lives far far away they can call they can get they can reach me here at the radio station and i will spend as much time as i need to just to kind of talk you through it because um and you're right uh chandler i i feel blessed to have all the support not just from family but from friends and friends from 20 25 years ago as well but a lot of times people don't have that so the invitation is there you call me uh and i'll be glad to speak with you and and as much as as much as i need to 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 make you be in a better place well and and here's the thing nobody's five-year plan involves a cancer diagnosis right i mean it's a disruptor you know in my in my social activism or whatever you want to call it i like being a disruptor i like turning over the apple cart i like the the dr jacksons of the world that say ah let's let's change the whole way we do this you know i like being a disruptor but cancer's a bad disruptor because everybody's got a plan like you got a plan for what your week's going to be or your month's going to be like i'm my plan is i'm retiring at 50 well man if i get walloped with a cancer diagnosis that plan's going to change or if one of my kids god forbid gets a cancer diagnosis because we forget you know i had to I had the unfortunate uh, responsibility of telling one of my dear friends that I went to college with that their son had cancer. Mm. And my nurse practitioner called and said, I don't know what to do. We did this test, and there is no way this is not cancer. And, like, I'm getting chills right now. And yeah. so I said, give me, give me, I said, give me the kid's name because I'm terrible with names, especially kids. I'm you know, just a little space left in my hard drive, and I can't put kids' names in them. So I called, and I said, man, I love you, but I need you to sit down because this was late at night, and she was worried. And like I said, normally we bring them in. I said, I need you to sit down, but this is not good, and we're going to first thing in the morning get you to Vanderbilt. And the kids cancer free today. Awesome. You know, and but that is one of the hardest things to tell somebody. Um, and for providers, you you gotta remember as a provider, you gotta take care of your mental health. I can't imagine being an oncologist. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. giving bad news or you know, or roller coaster news all day that hey, this has gotten bigger, we thought it was smaller, but now it's bigger. How do you not get numb and to just get flat? I mean, I don't know how they yeah. do it. Maybe a balance of being able to tell people it's not cancer or that right. they're cancer-free, I guess. Uh, my daughter, uh, who is a junior, currently is a junior, she had a friend back in elementary school who had cancer, and she would spend the night all the time. And, of course, her head was shaved, and she'd wear a cap and those kind of things. But beautiful Rebecca, uh, she ended up losing her battle. But I was uh, – we're going to come back in a minute after this next break, but I wanted to ask you about the resiliency of patients. And she was – 
I'm not just saying this for the sake of saying it. She was so strong. She was so resilient, and her mental attitude was so positive. I wanted to ask you when we come back from break, I want to ask you about this kind of theory of how positive thinking and and holistic approaches to cancer uh, could help people. So we'll be right back after this short break on American Steel on WKOM 101.7 FM. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. We know that Jeep owners are one of a kind. Choose from our huge inventory or build your own one-of-a-kind Jeep from the ground up. Stop by today and one of our product specialists will help you customize the Jeep you want. Wrangler, Grand Cherokee, and Grand Wagoneer in the perfect color. Gotta have them options, powertrain, and more. And now, take advantage of the Jeep Wave program. More free maintenance at no additional cost. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. Online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. Hi, this is Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. Here is what some of our customers are saying about us. Great people. The place to shop for fair prices and great craftsmanship. Beautiful vintage and custom jewelry. Thank you, Beth. That is our goal. Stop by and see for yourself. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia and Lewisburg. Owned and operated by Rick, custom designer and Terry, registered gemologist. Assuring you the best jewelry value and expert services. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard. So you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, Echo and Chindawa yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in southern middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. This is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. The Crimson and White Jerseys. Front court to the rack and the play. The sound of a buzzer beater. The buzzer sounds. The roll tide chant from the crowd. Three. Count it. And he's fouled. It can only be Alabama basketball. Join the Alabama Crimson Tide right here. On your home for Alabama basketball. The Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Welcome back to American Steel, folks. Hope you're doing well out there. And uh, we've had an amazing conversation with Mr. Chandler Anderson here as a local uh 
nurse practitioner here in Murray County, Tennessee. Uh, the information has just been invaluable. I hope you'll get a chance to come back uh, to be on this podcast. Uh, you said that you want to retire at 50. You know someone who can't retire with all those kids is Clayton Harris. That's right. <laughs> that, that is correct. You've explained to him what causes those kids. Man, I, I did. Um but I feel like he's got some inside scoop with the Globetrotters or something, and like the Washington Generals are like ending, so Clayton had to form his own basketball team. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, we go every year to see the Globetrotters, so we'll be there cheering you on, Clayton. There you go. There you go. Uh, I remember the Keep it close. Keep it close. <laughs> I haven't seen them in a minute. Are they, are they still as good as ever? Oh, my goodness. They are so interactive with the fans, and the kids love them. And, like, you know, my kids, you're, you're a principal. My kids are 14 and 15. My boys are. So they're in that I'm a macho man, but... Mm-hmm. But every now and then you'll see that little peak of the little yeah. six-year-old kid that loved wrestling or something. And when we went to the – both years, the last few years, we went to the Globetrotters, and they love it. It's yeah. amazing. They're wired up, you know, and they're doing the standing on the goal and doing the crazy dunks and coming into the crowd. And the Globetrotters are – they're super reasonably priced, and they're a great time. I remember Metal Arc Lemon and Curly yeah. Neal. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was always great entertainment. I wanted to ask you, before we went on break, I wanted to ask you, Chandler, about, um, like, uh, every once in a while we'll get it we'll find a kid vaping or something like that and I, I read I read that a couple of weeks ago they had this big uh, operation where they took some stores down that were selling vapes yeah. to underage yeah. kids you know when you find out that the stores are only fine they're not really there's no teeth to that law yeah. and they're selling this poison to our kids um, and of course it came out as well it's only water that you're inhaling it's not true so tell, tell us about that and tell us how you educate parents when they come in you know again Terry does most of this but um you know, vaping is not a good is not a good substitute for smoking. Anything you're putting in your lungs that's not oxygen is bad. The, you know, if you use your albuterol inhaler too much, your lungs will get resistant to that. I mean, and that's a drug designed for your lungs. My dad, my biological dad right now, has terrible COPD, never smoked a day in his life. He had unmanaged asthma, would not see the doctor, and he kept buying the primatine mist over the counter. And he would run through those. And I I remember being 18 going, Ray, stop using that stuff. I mean, I wasn't even a nurse yet, but I knew, like, running through one of those a week has got to be bad. So um, vaping creates... Again, guys, think about this. So now we're 16, we're vaping, and I said, anytime you have to make new cells, you're putting yourself at risk for cancer. My prediction is that we're going to see a massive increase in the number of lung cancer from people who vaped um, 20 years from now because you're destroying lung tissue still with this stuff. I mean, sit around somebody that vapes. There is so much smoke that comes out. They're making shapes and like. You can't tell me that's good. And it's not just water vapor. There's, I mean, I've smelled my, some of my employees vape outside. And I'm like, really? <sighs> um, but it smells like Fruit Loops when I go by. And I'm like, really? So you inhaled a Fruit Loop? I mean, that can't be good. No. And so, putting THC in these things. Yes. and all, well, the, the bottom line is you don't know what you're inhaling when you purchase one of these things. Right. You don't. There's no. They're not tightly regulated. And there's something called popcorn lung that it can give you where you get small little blebs in your lungs. Um, and it's just like, stop. Stop. Yeah, just stop. <laughs> just stop doing it. Stop doing the Delta stuff, too, instead yeah. of, you know, just stop. 
Just stop. It's not how about, good for how you. How about just work out, go right. to school. If you want to get, you know, a great way to get high, do sit-ups, do bench presses, you know, do push-ups, work out. The endorphins you get from that will make you feel better than any THC or vaping. I was going to ask you about that because we talked off off air, uh, and you told me at one point you were not the healthiest and you had to kind of reel it in. Can yeah. you t- tell us about that journey and, and talk to our listeners about you know what they can do if they're sitting out there wondering how they can get healthier? Well, two, two things. Um, one, I used to be 540 pounds. That was brought on by depression. Um, when I graduated high school, I was 220. Six, seven, 220. You know, terrible at football. I played. That bench never moved. I kept it firm and steady. <laughs> <laughs> I was great at that. But, um, you know, I got depressed. I went to my doctor, who was a friend. He put me on a medicine. I gained 100 pounds in a month. In a month. And so I went back and I was like, hey, man, I gained 100 pounds. He said, yeah, you should probably quit eating so much. Here, I'm going to try on this other medicine. Well, like in two months, I had gained two, like another 100 pounds. So like I doubled, like almost doubled my weight. And it was from being depressed. And I remember, man, being so down and so depressed that I would hit up. Like, my my addiction was not alcohol or smoking or cocaine, clearly, because I gained so much weight. But I would hit up McDonald's, come right out of McDonald's, go to Burger King, come right out of Burger King, go right Taco Bell. And I would eat until I'd get, when I'd get home, I'd eat, and I'd just go to sleep. So I didn't have to deal with the world. So the first thing I did was I had gastro bypass which made it where I couldn't eat like that. And then I did something that uh, we need in America is a holistic treatment. I went to Mexico. That's where I had my gastric bypass, too, in Mexico, because in the States, after insurance, it was going to be $10,000. The entire surgery, everything, hospital state, was $3,500 in Mexico, Tijuana. If you don't mind tanks going by your hospital, hey, I had a great experience. Um, But then I did Ibogaine experienceibogaine.com and I've talked about it on the radio before I was depressed I remember sitting on the Ed Workman Bridge on the way to Lawrenceburg sitting on it gonna jump I was done it's in my book I wrote a book Clayton I was gonna jump I was done and thankfully I went down to Mexico uh, Rosarita Mexico and uh, ER Doc runs it and it's um it's a, a neuroplasticity. It's almost like LSD. Um, it's a neuroplastic drug that you take. You basically take it. <laughs> it was funny. The instructions were, uh, I don't speak Spanish very well, and I certainly don't have a Spanish accent, but the nurse said, we're going to give you this until your vision changes very badly. You tell me when it changes badly. <laughs> okay. And so I was sitting there, and I took, like, they're capsules, so I took two and he kept brought me two more. He said, anything? I said, nope, two more. And then suddenly I did this, and I had like 15 hands. And I said, hey, <laughs> I think I'm at the hands. place. Not been suicidal since. I just, uh, I'm sorry to smirk, but I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, they told us we weren't allowed to go to Tijuana for all sorts of reasons. So, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, lots of reasons. But I'm glad to know that you got a, a you got a very successful surgery down yeah. there. Yeah. So I've actually been, this shirt that I'm wearing that says No Excuses is from the book I wrote. And it's, I'm wondering about motivation and positive, th- positive mental thinking and, and how you talk to people about, like I, when my wife found out she had cancer, we found out on the 23rd of December and we didn't want to tell anybody till after the holidays and it was the worst time to find out because right. we now we got to be quiet about it when really we, we should be talking about right. it and so we, we talk about that to this day but uh except for a few moments of uh, expected emotional responses she's been a warrior 
And I, I try to tell her, hey, just we're gonna we're gonna fight this, we're gonna attack it, we're not gonna sit back and wait, we're gonna attack it. Um, and so, you know, I've been studying all uh, about neuro neuro leadership and mm-hmm. how the brain works and those kind of things. How impactful do you think it is, no matter what the circumstances in your life, to have a positive mental perspective? Dude, I'm gonna tell you, I have a friend, JP. He's a conspiracy guy. I don't even let him talk to me about it. Whatever you, it's just like food. Whatever you hear is what's going to be in your mind. So if, you, if you're if you listening to negative stuff all the time, if you're watching documentaries about cancer and people dying, you're going to be negative. You have to choose every day to be positive. That's why I fight with my boys about getting up at 6 a.m. Like, man, y'all ruining my day. Come on, get up. You know, um, you start your day with, I'm going to make this work, and it's going to work. That positive attitude is what will keep you fighting and will get you better. I've seen it. I agree, and I think that I tell my students all the time. You know, you get to control your brain. You don't. You don't let your brain control you because it'll try to. It'll try to tell you to take the easy way out and take the most, the least, uh, uh, the most comfortable way in everything in life. And what you should be looking for and seeking are those challenges and the struggles in life to be able to overcome them. Well, Chandler, I want to thank you for being on American Steel. Uh, we're going to be done here in a few minutes, but I want to invite you back anytime you'd like to come. Man, I'd be glad to. And to your point, I always tell people. You, you have a dial on your chest and it dictates your emotions don't give anybody that dial don't let somebody make you mad don't let somebody make you happy you control that you control dial. It. thank yeah. you sir well thank you folks uh uh look, looking forward to this episode be airing on sunday at 7 p.m thank you for listening to american steel on wkom 101.7 fm here in columbia tennessee